0: This is Meet the Movie Press. It's July 26th, 2019 on the show this week. Marvel's San Diego Comic-Con reveals in Hall H. Rutger Hauer sadly passes the TIFF rundown and Zombieland Double Tap trailer chat. That's not easy to say. Plus, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Reviewed and the box office. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talks, Meet the Movie Press.
0: This is Meet the Movie Press. My name is Simon Thompson. You can find me on social media at ShowbizSimon on Instagram and Twitter. Big news for the show, if you go to the Apple homepage for the podcast and you see their curated choice, Movie Fanatics, this year, uh, you will actually click through and you will find Meet the Movie Press on there. We are officially, officially kind of a big deal with those people at Apple. Who have clearly never heard the show. But we'll take it. Thank you so much. Uh, so I'm in the lead chair. Uh, we have two brilliant people on the p- panel this week uh, Scott Menzel, who you would know, and uh, Alexander Robinson joining us. First of all, Alexander, uh, who are you and where can we find you?
2: Uh, well, I am Alexander Robinson. You can find me on YouTube at The Real Mr. Robinson. And I'm also on all the other social medias: Twitter, Real Mister Underscore Robinson; Instagram, The Real Mister Robinson. And I'm on the Stardust app, Real Mister Robinson.
0: And you are also a member of the LAOFCS, right? Yes, I am. One of their newest members for this year. Well, welcome to the crew. And Scott Menzel, welcome back.
1: Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm Alex. Good. It's a pleasure to finally do a show with you. It's nice uh, to have you yes. on here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: seriously. I'm happy to be here. We, Thanks were, for inviting we were all me. chatting at the get together for, for the for the group a couple of months ago, and it was, is it a month? A month and a half. It's been a month. It's been
1: a it's month. Been a month. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Was, and I instantly was like, we literally had the conference and said, we should get Alex on the show. Yeah. So, Alexander, welcome to the show. I told you I would call you Alex at least once. I'm so sorry. I've done that already. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Alexander, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about. Scott, before we carry on, tell me where we can find you, please. Sure.
1: Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. You can go to WeLiveEntertainment.com to see all my written reviews and interviews.
0: Fantastic. We have a lot to get through on the show. Obviously, uh, I wasn't here last week, but Comic-Con continued. Yes. Uh, so, we're going to pick up on some of the big news from that. We're also going to be taking calls on Meet the Movie for us today. You can always take part in the show if you're watching live in the chat. We would also like to take your calls. We're going to do this a very particular way. Three topics we want to take your calls on today and three topics only. Those subjects are the death of Rutger Hauer, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Marvel's San Diego Comic Con Hall H Review. So when we talk about those feel free to call in. We would love to have your thoughts. We might take some more at the end of the show too. The number is 424-354- 424-354-8302. If you can't get to a phone, feel free to take part in the chat live on YouTube. We really appreciate it. Okay, we're going to spend the last 15 minutes of the show talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, the new Tarantino movie. First of all, we're going to kick off. with are talking about San Diego Comic-Con. A lot happened, guys, in their Hall H reveal. Uh, Ryan who is producing us today, was actually in Hall H. I was at Comic-Con, you guys. Right, I actually was right outside of Hall H. That's and I was Just refreshing Twitter over and over again with Zia Anderson, host of Marvel Movie News, and we were just freaking out together each time something got announced. Could you smell the excitement? Were you trying to guess what people were excited about? I'm pretty sure that I was making a smell out of my body. <laughs> That's how excited I was. Okay, so what got the biggest cheer with your ear to the door? Oh, it was Blade. Yeah hands down. That was the most surprising thing there. A lot of people were excited about that. Guys, we're going to go through these uh, one by one. First of all, let's talk about Doctor Strange. Uh, We are getting the Doctor Strange sequel. We all kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, This one, though, uh, is going to be slightly scarier, according to director Scott Derrickson. Uh, Alexander, on this, first of all, um, does it excite you to have a Doctor Strange sequel? And did you like it and want it to be scary?
2: Uh, It excites me very much, because Doctor Strange is one of those Marvel movies that I liked when I first saw it, but then rewatching it again, I I've grown a lot more appreciation yeah and um it's kind of up there in my i don't know top 10 but it's like close to the top tier of marvel movies i like it that much and um i'm just excited to see more of this character beyond the ensemble pieces and to bring in elizabeth olsen at scarlet witch wanda maximoff i'm excited to see her character develop further mm-hmm. and in terms of it being scarier um I feel like there's only as far they'll go with it being a like horror movie per se, but um, Doctor Strange can get really weird. I mean, the first movie itself was very, very trippy. So, for them to... for the subtitle to be madness, The Multiverse of Madness, I think they'll Really go balls out in terms of what they can actually do to just make it more bizarre, weird horror than like legit scary horror. Because
0: Kevin Feige was very clear to say that it's going to be PG thirteen level, Um, so we know that it's going to have a certain level of intensity. But a lot of people think that these things have to be, you know, uh, uh, NCR seventeen or or whatever. Um, I don't think so because if you look at some great horror movies over the years that have been, you know, PG thirteen. A great example is Poltergeist, a hugely effective and very scary movie that is actually that thing. So I think as long as you limit things like the fucks and the gratuitous on-screen violence, you can get some really scary stuff in there. I absolutely agree with you, Alexander. Scott, your thoughts on this?
1: I think they're taking a step out of the DC rulebook now. Good point. After the uh, Shazam doing so well and David F. Sandberg um, basically combining his elements of comedy with horror. Mm. And uh, I think they saw how well that worked and they were like, you know what? We can do this too. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more crossover now as WB and DC have started to take more chances with their movies. Um, but in terms of Doctor Strange, I'm really excited about this. Yep. This is actually one of my favorite uh, MCU films. Um, I, I, Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic as the character, and Scott Derrickson is a fantastic director. Um Letting him go back to his wheelhouse of what he knows best, Mm. I think, is a smart move. And to kind of blur the lines between superhero and also horror. I think it's going to work marvels for this movie.
0: <laughs> I mean, Scott Derrickson has done some really great movies. Yeah. I mean, one. I mean, obviously, the one I think that probably pushed him to the forefront was Sinister.
2: Yes. Yep. Uh,
0: and that g- genuinely, there are a handful of movies that I've seen at, at screenings where I, I, it has terrified me. That it's been like Jesus. I feel like I've been put through the ringer. Uh, I think he's got a really. He's very good at getting our adults darker tones mm-hmm. and putting them into something in a more acceptable thing. And I'll be honest with you, he understands this market. Scott has got a number of of kids and he shows them he always talks about this on Twitter. He he always shows them a wide variety of movies. Some of them you might think are perhaps too mature, but I think it breeds this kind of understanding of this material and he knows what will work or he can tone down for this kind of teen market but still have it appeal to grown men and women who will also get enough out of it and not feel like it's been dumbed down or they're getting a goosebumps. Marvel's goosebumps. Right. So that's cool. Um, so do you think it's really good to bring back Scott as the director? We kind of knew this was going to happen, Alexander, but...
2: I think so, because um, one of the big issues I had with um, the MCU, as much as I love it, with mm. some of their earlier movies is that... Um, Especially with the first two Thor movies, is that they would switch directors. Um, sometimes it worked for the better, like going with the Russo brothers for the Captain America sequels. But it's always nice to get some sort of consistency. Yeah. yeah? And like we saw with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two, keeping James Gunn keeps that consistent uh, tone with its characters and just the overall movie. So bringing Scott back, I think, is a really probably the best decision they can make in terms
0: of Doctor Strange. Huh? And in the terms you mentioned of, of Shazam and David Sandberg uh, d- going and doing that, and now Marvel taking a bit of a leaf out of the DC yeah. book, how long do you think it's going to be, Scott, until they bring David over to Marvel and they get him to do a movie?
1: It might be. It might take a while, because right. I think David's career has started over at, at Warner Brothers in mm. general. I mean, they saw his short film on YouTube and they wound up making Lights Out and yep. turning it into a feature. It did really well. And then giving him, you know, an entry in the Conjuring universe. And now doing this. I, I, I think we're going to start seeing more of this where it's going to be like the old days of Hollywood. Where we're going to, especially with so many of these studios kind of merging. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of directors staying with one side. Mm. Um, I don't think the actors are going to be tied down like that because there's just everyone wants to do everything. But the directors, I, I have a feeling... They're going to stick with them.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's fair, actually. Okay, let's move on to Black Widow, because Black Widow is something else I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to see a bit of backstory for her. We're going to see a character fleshed out a bit more. We've seen a little bit. I talked about this on uh, Collider Movie Talk yesterday. Uh, you know, we are seeing, you know, we had a bit of backstory before, but this is going to be younger and taking it on a different timeline. I Black Widow is not my favorite character in the MCU. I think she's been horribly underserved by this. And it was really difficult to get me interested in a Black Widow movie. I like the direction that this is going. And I like the director, a really strong Australian female director. Alexander, your thoughts on Black Widow?
2: Uh, I kind of agree and disagree with you in okay, some aspects. Cool. Um, I thought like Black Widow has been one of their better characters just like been as a supporting character she's mm-hmm. gotten a lot of development as a supporting character and um, I always never wanted to see a Black Widow movie just because like well what could you do at this point uh, like if if I were to go back in time to when Iron Man 2 came out and tell people that she's going to be one of the big MVPs of the MCU people would laugh at me uh, because it, she didn't have much to do in Iron Man 2 but um, now that I'm hearing all like the details about Black Widow and just the cast and director I'm like okay I, it's here. I'm going to see it. I'm on board. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, but I d- definitely there are more there are other movies in Phase 4 that I'm more excited than Black Widow. But still I'm looking forward to it.
0: Scott, they this is obviously 10 years after the start of MCU <laughs> and the you know sort of films in general in the MCU have changed. They now realize that that sort of female-led superhero movies are viable. She doesn't have to just be part of an ensemble. But is it too late, because we're familiar with her for 10 years, that Black Widow gets her own movie? What are the pratfalls uh, with that one?
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. It, it does feel, in my eyes, it feels a little bit too late. I don't know how much I personally care about this movie. Um, I think they're just riding on the coattails of Wonder Woman and also, of course, Captain Marvel's mm. success. Um Nor, like, in all fairness, I was more excited to hear, like you pointed out, about the Doctor Strange movie. You know, like, seeing more of Scarlet Witch. Like, she was someone who was very underserved in most of the the universe, and then the last two movies, she she really got a lot. But I kind of feel like after Endgame, I was okay saying goodbye to this character. I don't really... I feel like this, this is one of the rare times where I feel like this really does feel like a cash grab
0: yeah I think it'll be interesting to see I mean I had a, I had a conversation with um, Peyton Reed um, when it was uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah. came out about a year ago and we were talking about all of the Marvel movies pretty much for the MCU have been successful since we started the official cycle mm-hmm. yeah um, and that, he said at some point someone's gonna have a bum movie there's gonna be a movie that isn't gonna land someone's gonna be the new one at the bottom
1: um I don't think this. I don't think this is going to be the one.
0: No. Um, but I think it'll be really interesting. Is there anything in the next cycle that you see being a bit of a difficult sell? Because I, I can't see one right now, <clears throat> Alexander. I mean,
2: if I had to pick one, I would say the Eternals, just because um, I've never heard of the Eternals mm. um, within the Marvel lore. Like with Guardians of the Galaxy, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I know, I know Guardians of the Galaxy by name. Yeah. I've saw them in the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, but I don't know their backstory that much, but I mean, with 23 movies in, uh, In making Guardians of the Galaxy work, I think uh, Marvel can make the Eternals work. But if there was anything in that Phase 4 lineup that's going to be a hard sell, it would probably be the Eternals.
0: I'm kind of the same on that, but with Guardians of the Galaxy when that came out, I thought that that movie was a horrible idea. A horrible idea. I didn't know anything about the characters. I didn't care about it. And I'll tell you what, I know people that worked on that movie with James, and even when they started making that movie, they were like... (sighs) This is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be genius and land well, or it's going to be a really expensive mistake. So even the people involved in it weren't convinced. So we're I can't Do we have too? We're going to go to the chat in just a second. But do we have too many of these ensemble movies, or do we need them as like you know, a, a sort of sorbet or, or benchmarks, edit points in a in a series?
2: Yeah, either of you can take. I, that th- one. I think um, no, because um, I've. From what I understand, the Eternals is more. It's kind of in the vein of the X Men, where it's like they're already set as an ensemble. Yeah, uh, it's not like with the Avengers where you take certain pieces and just kind of mix them together. Uh, I mean, if for anyone in the chat who's who knows the Eternals in the comics, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the impression I get. Like the Eternals is probably, Alexander.
0: They will. I know. Don't worry. They yeah. will. I know. It's the internet. <laughs> I'm prepped for it.
2: But um, I, I feel like the Eternals is like. From what we understand, it's required to be an ensemble piece yeah. and not like have each of these characters be solo um, have their own solo movies. And... yeah,
0: no, I think it'll be interesting to see if any any do come out of that for cycle five that we start to see some of those get their own movies. We'll see.
1: I think it's uh, it's interesting because I think in terms of their I don't I'm sure we're gonna talk about this, but I feel like in terms of the film lineup, they're gonna be fine. yeah. the programming if we can shift to the Disney Plus, yeah. that's a little bit more wonky. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like the same level of hype that anyone felt for those those. But there shows. There were several
0: there that I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch those. Yes. Not because there's anything wrong with them, purely from time, and I didn't care enough about a number of them, unless they really have something uh, different to say, or aesthetic, yeah. or I need to see them to understand the MCU. But the MCU, as rich as it is, I think I can kind of work out what I might have missed.
1: I love, though, how they did the blade thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
0: At the, they
1: did the same thing with Captain Marvel, if you
0: remember. They did. Like, literally,
1: at the end of the panel. Oh, here comes Brady. Hey, everybody. I'm here. I'm,
2: yeah. Literally the
0: yep.
1: same exact thing. Trolls. But I think, uh, you know, they're they're going to continue this progress. Yeah for the movies. I think Disney Plus it's the same as any streaming service at this point. I think they're just they're hoping that these are going to work. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to. Well,
0: we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that probably uh, more the Disney Plus stuff yeah. at, at another time because there's okay. so much stuff yeah, coming I out. Know, I know. And I just need to run through the chat, but it's, it's a really valid point actually. Uh, Xeno Hour, uh, I'm glad you're letting Scott Derrickson on, not us. I mean, they are uh, <laughs> letting Scott Derrickson flex his horror chops for Doctor Strange. Uh, Ricky Davila, all these people. Uh, hello, welcome to you in the chat. A lot of you are regulars. There's a couple of new people in there today. Uh, glad to see them try and do something horror. Derrickson directed one of my favorite horror movies uh, from the decade, Sinister. Yeah, absolutely. We've already mentioned that one. Uh, Tony Egan, uh, who's the character behind Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch? Uh, Jenna James, agreeing with Ricky. Uh, Ricky. However, when the first one was coming out, everybody kept saying there's a lot of horror elements to it. And that didn't seem to be the case at all. No, I think that you're absolutely right in that. I think there was a lot of sort of water testing. Uh, with that to see exactly what they could do and how audiences would respond because I know a lot of people when Doctor Strange came out it was one of the characters that they didn't feel any particular affinity to and weren't particularly excited about but when they saw the movie they actually came on board and you know like you watched it a number of times Uh, some people have really long names in here Uh, (laughs) Bartolomeu O'Mac Duhlehemli de Connaught I don't know what that is about Um, I love the recent title The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot yeah that that was a great movie sometimes I like really odd movie titles that is obviously in reference to the longer title of uh, Doctor Strange Uh, uh, is in the chat today I think David said he was uh, taking a break from doing comic book movies for a bit after Shazam Uh, he needs a breather, that's obviously David who directed uh, Shazam Uh, and Ricky's saying, really don't see the need either for a Black Widow film, maybe if it was released right before Endgame it would have had more Mm -hmm. impact, but it doesn't do anything for me at this point, it is one of the movies where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just going to sit on this for now and see see what I see coming out of it, the response to to the footage in Hall H was was very strong which does bode well but also bear in mind that is, is a Hall room H. it is Hall H with a room full of Marvel fans yeah. so that's like taking steak eaters to a steak restaurant and going well that dinner was delicious yeah. <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't get the same response from Beacons yeah. uh, okay Blade I finally want to talk about this and then we're going to move on from San Diego Comic Con uh, their, their Marvel Hall H reveals Blade as you mentioned Scott pulled out right at the end got a phenomenal response uh, Mahershala Ali is going to be Blade uh, a decision that went down really well. He went to Kevin and said, I want to be Blade. Kevin was like, mm. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, Alexander, first of all, very quickly, your thoughts on that. Uh, it was a surprise for many people.
2: It was, because, I mean, prior to Hall H and Comic Con in general, we heard snippets about uh, the Eternals, uh, sequels to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. even stuff that wasn't announced there, like sequels to Black Panther, Captain Marvel, yeah. and the Fantastic Four. Blade came out of nowhere. Huh? Like, we didn't hear anything about Blade. The most we heard were rumors about them bringing Wesley Snipes back, but...
0: I think we all knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Right, right. I think Wesley Snipes knew that wasn't going to happen.
2: True. I mean, well, I mean, after Spider-Man Far From Home, spoilers for those who still haven't seen <laughs> it, uh, when they brought J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson, mm. I think people had that sliver of hope, but you know what? I'm okay with Her- Herschel Ali. I mean, two-time Academy Award winner... He's a fantastic actor. He can just change himself in so many roles. He's got it down.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Scott.
1: He saved uh, True Detective, too, in season three yeah. after that terrible season two. I did not see it season three. <laughs> um, you know, it, he's, he's he's one of those actors right now that I think I'm on board to see anything that he touches. I mean, that's just the way I feel about him. He's He's proven in such a short period of time that he has the ability to pretty much take on any any role and give it his own sort of gravitas. Like, mm-hmm. he really, really, like, make it his own. And um, that's all I really have to say about it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that they're they're finally doing a Blade movie that I think people are going to care about, mm-hmm. you know? Like, as much as people are like, oh, the Wesley Slipes one, it's like, that movie wasn't that good and neither were any of the sequels. Sorry.
0: Well, do you know, I actually... (laughs) I I like the sequels, and I think the third one is massively underappreciated Blade Trinity. The
1: Ryan Reynolds one. The Ryan
0: Reynolds one. It's not a great movie, and it's not the best of the three. Yeah. But I think that gets an unfair amount of shit thrown at it. But we're not going to see Blade uh, until the next cycle of movies, so it's going to be a little while. Um, We all know that Mahershala's sort of uh, uh, schedule (laughs) is... pretty
2: busy Yeah.
0: Um, although it's funny people made a point it's like oh after doing an Oscar winning movie he wants to do this I'm like mm. who I, doesn't I mean yeah. Who, yeah but I mean it's like you've got to make some movie yeah. after you can't just make Oscar potential stuff and it's like he wants to have fun when he goes to work This is going to be fun. So that's cool. Uh, I just want to go back to something. Uh, I I commented on the difficulty of someone's name. uh, And they they said it was mildly racist because I'm British. Uh, No, it is a very difficult name to say. Um, And uh, no, it is not racist at all. Uh, It's a very long name and it's very difficult to say. Uh, So no racism intended. Um, But yeah, okay, so let's move on from this. Scott, I want you to take the lead on this. um, Or you've offered to take the lead on this. Sure. Uh, Tiff, the lineup. Uh, You're going to be going to Toronto Uh, this year. absolutely okay cool um so a lot of people reacted to this probably more favorably than i've seen a lineup for a festival across the board in the last 12 months uh tell me what's coming up and tell me why you think that is
1: okay so some backstory on tiff last year they had a big shake up one of the guys who was a programmer there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was responsible for the Tiff Bell Lightbox, which is a huge disaster if you go through the history of that. Uh, he, he wanted millions and millions of dollars to invest in it. Thought like He wanted to make it like a center for film. And the reality is, most people, when they come to Toronto, to the, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, mm-hmm. they come once a year. And even though there is a love of cinema in the city... Um, those theaters, that theater doesn't get full very often. Yeah, and they, it's been a huge no-no for the city. Uh, it's caused a lot of problems, caused a lot of financial issues mm-hmm. for the festival. So he stepped down. His na- I, I think his name was Piers Piers Morgan. He he stepped down last year, okay. and it was like all the things. There was all these you know videos and stuff about it. And over the last couple of years, um, I feel like the lineup. For the Toronto International Film Festival, mm-hmm. has been very hit or miss, yeah. and it's interesting because I think this says this reaction to the festival says two things. The first thing that it says is the new pro- new programmer who joined joined the team who is who is a woman who is who's basically someone who um, Cameron Bailey, the the other guy who's been at TIFF for a while mm-hmm. and is still there really push for for a very long time for there to be this change in viewpoint. Um, so I think that's something where they both kind of came up with this lineup and they said, "You know what? We're going to prove right now that we're going to do a better job." So that's part of the part of the part of their big big reveal here. The other thing that's a big reveal is the fact that the movies so far this year are so bad that everyone are hoping that yeah. award season is going to be really great. And this lineup, I mean, this stole the thunder from Venice. It it killed
0: a lot of my hope for Telluride, honestly, too. Venice came out. Yeah. It's like it never happened. I know. It's like Thanos clicked. (laughs) And it was like, what the fuck happened to Venice? Yeah.
1: Yeah. and and Which is weird because uh, for those who don't know film festivals, basically what happens is um, Venice starts right before Telluride. Mm-hmm. Telluride kicks in for Labor Day weekend, and then it goes into Toronto. Yeah, And Venice is really like the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, First Man premiered there last year, and then uh, la- the year before, Three Billboards, and, like, they really start the conversation, and then they kind of go into Telluride, and then they go into Toronto. So for TIFF to come out of the gate this strong, mm-hmm. I mean, this says a lot. But some of the movies that they have world premieres for... I think they're gonna they're gonna be the festival to go to this year. If you don't have tickets, you should should get them now. And get the mm. plane ticket. Um, you know, smartly enough, Sony tied together the um, beautiful day in the neighborhood trailer one day before they announced the world premiere
2: here,
0: which that, I think mm, was great. That trailer got so much love online. You, you saw it, right? On the I side did. It. Yes. Uh, did it give you the feels? As they say, <laughs> all the feels.
2: It it did. Um, I'm. Curious how it's going to play out considering that just last year we had Won't You Be My Neighbor mm-hmm. and I mean if the best possible scenario is that it's a great double feature.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I think a lot of people perhaps overlook that because it was a documentary. You don't get the wide release that you do, even though it got a lot of talk. I think it will make a lot of people go back and go, "Oh, there was a documentary on this," and re- rediscover yeah. that. It's a great documentary. Oh, yeah. oh fantastic. fantastic! Great documentary. Still
1: so sad it got overlooked at the Oscars. I can't even believe it didn't get a nomination. I know. I don't even. <sighs> I know.
0: So, what else is up to for you? <laughs> so, really
1: like? I mean, there's so many good movies, but I think the big takeaway that I wanted to point out was how many world premieres there are. Mm. So a lot of people get this confused as well. There's North American premieres, there's Canadian premieres, and the big deal is the world premiere because that means you're the only festival that's going to show that. Um, Warner Brothers must have a huge leap of faith in this festival this year because not only are they giving... um, the world premiere of the goldfinch mm. but they're also giving the world premiere of just mercy which mm. is a film that i know most people don't know what this is but it's with michael b jordan and brie larson and it's the short term 12 director oh i think i've heard of it yeah and this was one where they were going to maybe push and do like a january release yeah they did Ooh. some testing And it, like, apparently turned out that the testing is really good. Oscar. And now they're going to push it. So Warner Brothers, and then they, of course, have the North American premiere of Joker. Yeah. Mm. So you have three Warner Brothers titles going into the Oscar race, two of which having their world premiere here. One premiering at Venice and then coming here right afterwards.
0: Maybe they all exist in the same universe. Maybe, Maybe they're. Gone. I'm mean. kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. Yeah. I mean that, that again, like, like you, Alexander. There, you know, the the, the movie, there, the Brie Larson movie, is a movie that I was not aware of. Right. And I'm actually genuinely, I really like it when movies come up that I, I'm not sick of hearing about. Yes. Yeah. You know, because we hear about so many movies. I mean, Joker. Obviously, you mentioned is going to be there. I'm really, really looking forward to to the Joker. I'm
2: skeptical about that. I, I hate to be the odd man out, but... I, That's I, okay! Like, for me, with Joker, I just think back to Venom, because it's like, how are you <laughs> gonna do... I try a, not to. How are you gonna do a villain movie without, like, the hero that the villain's pretty much depended on? But I, I will admit, the trailers do look really good. Yeah. Um, so, hey, you know what? Anything could happen. I've seen a lot of... we We've all seen lots of movies with terrible trailers or trailers that just make you go... Uh, but the movies end up being amazing
0: and and I keep bringing up Marwin we see a lot of trailers where we're like shit that's going to be awards gold and it turns out to be absolutely awful Uh, Scott Mm -hmm. any more from you oh I mean
1: I just wanted to say that um, one of the interesting things that uh, me and Ashley actually predicted was the bad education world premiere here Mm -hmm. which is The movie, uh, you know, last year, Hugh Jackman had a movie called The Front Runner, which nobody saw, Mm. uh, which premiered at Telluride and then went on to TIFF. This year, he has Bad Education, which anyone who doesn't know this, Hugh Jackman is on a world tour right now, going around, performing, and basically doing everything that he loves. And the fact that he took a gap, you can look at his schedule, and that's how we figured it out. We looked at his tour schedule, and we're like, there's a weird gap here. Right around festival time. (laughs) So we knew that he was going to have something that was going to come out. And we found out that Bad Education is actually going to also have its world premiere there. Uh, This is from the director of Thoroughbreds. Another movie which I Mm. felt was very under the radar last year. Uh, but was really weird and different. Um, I'm looking forward to this one as well. Um, and there's a new be- Beanie Feldstein movie, too. Uh, I forgot the title of it, but I'm I'm really excited for her because she's just proving to be like this massive star in the making. Yeah. So I
2: can't, I can't wait for that.
0: No, 100%. I think it's really good. Have you got any more thoughts on Toronto? Uh, Is it a festival no, that you're particularly si- excited about every year? And then we'll move on. Uh,
2: not particularly. Not that I have any disinterest in Toronto. It's just... Um, like I'm I focus more on like Sundance or um can, cans yep. Cons? I, I I'm always cons. Like back and forth <laughs> how you pronounce it. Um so yeah, I'm just not don't have much input on Toronto the the International Film Festival itself. But um so that's I have no else to that, add it's
0: totally fine and there, there are so many festivals that happen around the world that appear to have you know a particular limited amount of interest like London Film Festival was always one when you're in London it's like it's, seriously it's like the world revolves around this thing and then when you leave London you're like oh okay it doesn't really have that much impact internationally with your average person Well, Toronto is one of those that has kind of crept up in the last couple of years where I think can has kind of gone down a bit Okay, mm. I was just going to say
1: right now like as someone this is my specialty if you can't tell at this point um, I love going to film festivals and over the last couple of years I've seen this dramatic shift in the, the dominance mm. um, the The one year that I missed Telluride and then I went the year after was the year that, like, La La Land went there and Moonlight went there. And, like, it was really – Telluride was the festival to go to. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start going to Telluride. And as much as I love Telluride because of how laid back it is and you really get, like – you feel like you have this really exclusive feel to it. You do feel like an elitist when you go there because it's, like, it's very – it's in a really, you know, segregated area. Like it's kind of like, like the, the yeah, anal film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, over the last couple of years... Don't Google
0: that, by the way.
1: Now, you know, Toronto has kind of noticed that, you know, there was all these issues within the industry. Mm. They started that new incentive last year with getting more voices there. And by fire you know, like peer-stepping down, Yeah, I think them knowing what they had to do with this they're now one of the most important festivals of the year
0: and a lot of I think the average person sees it has, certainly that festivals have a perceived sort of this this anality yes. you know it's like yes. the tightly buttoned down the hoity-toity sniffy fancy pants film people who are like <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know a lot of it isn't that case. I mean, it's regular, there is a lot of media that go to these, and there are the but you also get the average Joe and people who like to dip into movies, or someone who's predominantly consumed mainstream movies, and goes like, do you know what, because of X or Y factor I'm going to dip my toe in I'm going to see a movie at festival. First time I went to festival, I was intimidated as fuck.
1: Yeah, because I yeah. was
0: like, "Oh my god, I don't. I feel like I'm an idiot. I don't know anything." But everybody in there like was from different, and it's it's not as snooty as you might think it is. It's really worth doing. Uh, a couple of comments in the chat uh, on stuff that we discussed to do with Tiff. Thank you for that. It was a really no good, a very comprehensive um, evaluation there. Some really good movies. Uh, Kameh Egan, I bored like a fucking baby when I saw the beautiful day in the neighbourhood trailer. The five-year-old in me was screaming with happiness. You have a five-year-old inside you? Uh, and Tom Hanks rocks it as Mr. Rogers. Tom Hanks pretty much rocks everything. I'm yeah. kind of jealous of his talent. God damn you. Yes, he's a national treasure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He, he's actually, when he dies, they're going to put him in the Smithsonian. Uh, Ricky <laughs> DeVille saying, Tiff seems amazing, but every year when I look at prices, it's so expensive if you're not pressed, which is why I try to do Telluride each year, even though this year's lineup sucks. Uh, Anthony Manzano, Simon, can you please put the phone number in the chat, please? Uh, we are, we're mentioning that again at some point. Thank you. Uh, Janet James, I mean the shows acknowledge them, uh, but the Movies don't really do much to reference the shows with... Oh, this is... Okay, this is going back to Marvel. I'll pass Uh, on from that one. Uh, And uh, let's... uh, Is Queen and Slim debuting at TIFF? This is from Xeno Hour.
1: Not yet. yet. There's no announcement of that yet. But, you know, someone mentioned... uh, I think it was another comment. But one of the things that I think people need to take into consideration is... We've seen something at the beginning of this year with Sundance. Yeah. There was all these movies that came out of there, like The Late Night, mm-hmm. where there was all this buzz, and then it did nothing. Yeah. But when you have something now that already has buzz, yeah. like Joker, I think it was such a smart move yeah. for WB to put this there. I mean, just like Ford and Ferrari is also going to be there.
0: Yeah. So it's that's a smart. movie that a lot of people are not talking about, but I no. think that's going to gather a little bit more, you know, momentum, it's the, is it? Yeah,
1: yeah, traction.
0: Zeno, I was saying, I'm curious what the reaction to Joker will be. I think a lot of people are already acting like it's a guaranteed Oscar movie. We shall see. We shall see. I'm yeah. really, really interested to that. And also, let's let's remember, and this happens a lot, there are, there are people within the press who go to these <laughs> events... And because they're going to see this movie first, and they're seeing it at a festival, and they know the PRs are going to be clamoring for their reaction to it, and they want to get on the screeners of the DVDs or the posters or whatever. It often happens where you, you know, people see movies in an environment, and you know, I think everybody's been guilty at this point where yes. you don't take a, you don't take a beat, and your first reaction is like best movie ever, best movie of the year, blah 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 blah. So always take. I always take those reactions with a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. Always take them a little bit skeptically because a lot of times these people have gone back and reviewed the movie at another point and gone, Do you know what? A little bit actually, it's not quite as good. A favorite of mine is Empire with Phantom Menace. They gave that movie a five star and then a couple of years later they pulled back and it was like actually it wasn't that great. We've, we saw it with the most recent Blair Witch movie where that suddenly revealed a comic con. People saw that. It was like the greatest horror movie ever. Then they watched it again. And they were like it's actually not that good. Yeah. And it, it actually wasn't a great movie. Um, so do always take these reactions with a little bit of salt. We've got ten minutes before we go and talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There are three things I want to get in there. So very quickly first of all I want to talk about Zombieland the double tap trailer. Got a lot of buzz uh, this week. Thank you for your stuff um, on both uh, Marvel. And tiff so far. Really, really great stuff. Uh, Zombieland double-tap trailer. Alexander, going to come to you on this, first of all. Ten years after Zombieland. Ten years. Yeah, ten uh, years. Okay. Your reaction to this trailer yesterday? Uh,
2: well, I didn't see it until I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and it looks good. I love the first Zombieland. I think it's... Probably the funniest comedy of that year, at mm. least for me. Yeah, uh, Woody Harrelson's just such a great character, and like the chemistry he has with Jesse Eisenberg is just fantastic. Like they're two polar opposites, yet you know, work so well together. Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin are great together. That like the whole group is just great. I had problems with the ending, but still a really fun movie. The second, this trailer uh, looks, it looks interesting. I mean. Because 10 years go by, I don't know if, like, they can hit lightning in a <laughs> bottle twice. Mm. Uh, especially since it seems like they're bringing in, like, the parallel group. Uh, yeah. but, um, Which I would have kept quiet. Yes. Yeah. I would
0: have kept that reveal for the movie, but...
2: I know. mean, that's that's Sony's marketing team. Uh. Yeah.
0: So, I didn't... I thought that was a little bit jump in the shark on that one. Scott, your thoughts I, on this?
1: I just want to say that I think Zoe Deutsch is going to be the MVP. Yeah. I re- like I just get <laughs> it from her little snippets in the trailer like oh I'm supposed to wear my seatbelt and she just like flies through like <laughs> I just I she's totally playing up that dumb yeah. blonde moment and I and I can't <laughs> get enough of it
2: which you gotta wonder how has she survived this long in the zombie apocalypse yeah, Some, yeah.
0: oh 100% but I'm I mean I, I'm obviously the relationship with her and Jesse Eisenberg I think is gonna be really interesting and fun uh, but I'm really looking to see the interplay between her and the other female characters Abigail Perez Yes. Emma Stone. I'm really, really looking for, I mean, we know from the trailer that Abigail goes off and does yeah. some her own thing. Yeah. But I genuinely, am, I, I want to see, especially with Emma Stone, yeah. the, you know, the, the cutting remarks and the, the, the sort of, you know, jazzing between the two of them. I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think we were going to see this movie. It has been talked about so long. (laughs) I didn't think so either. I just didn't think it was gonna. And there was talk of the TV show, and I thought, okay, great. It's not going to have the original people in. It's going to be a TV show. It'll do one season and then get axed. And it'll be lovely to have around. Thank you for coming. Shove it out the door. I honestly didn't think this was going to come. I'm not entirely sold on it yet. I enjoyed the trailer, but I want to see the final movie. I'm just glad there's not all the jokes in the first trailer. So when you see the movie, it's like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Rather than oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I'm you know I'm okay with this. I, did you? When, I'm interested. When you discovered Zombieland, did you see it in movie theaters or did you see it on a home entertainment? I episode? saw it in theaters. Right. Uh, um,
2: yeah, I read like I didn't know anything about this movie coming, and then I saw some reviews, read yeah. some reviews. I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to see this, and it ended up being a huge surprise for me. Yeah,
0: because I know a lot of people who didn't see it in theaters and discovered it after. And they appear to be a big part of this momentum for for bringing this back to the big screen. Hopefully they'll turn out. We see a lot of times (laughs) where people are like... Give me a sequel! Give me a sequel! Yeah, yeah I'm not going to go and see it. No. Yeah, no, I'm going to wait for streaming. You know, we see a lot of that, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty psyched about that.
1: Or uh, when everyone was talking about the Chips movie and then no one saw no, it. <laughs>
0: Nobody <laughs> saw it. I actually referenced the Chips movie recently, and someone was like, "There was a Chips movie." <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on from that. Oh, anybody talking the channel about like this? Uh, no, we'll move on from that. Oh, yeah, no, actually, uh, Zeno Aries, uh, Simon, why didn't Sony have a Zombieland Two panel at? San Diego Comic Con, if the trailer was ready, and I think probably because they just didn't really have enough there, and they didn't want to jump the gun on it. I mean, because there weren't that many movies there this year, but I think they realised that that Marvel was going to steal the lion's share of press. Mm. A lot of other people just didn't have movies that would fit at Comic Con. This one would have fit. But I think it would have just got a little bit lost. Just I just want to say real quick,
1: yeah. I, um, I just have to say, if you remember the, on the show, if you watched the show last week, we talked a little bit about this, is that, you know, there were studios that were not at Comic-Con mm-hmm. last year that stole the thunder from stuff that was at Comic-Con. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that's what studios are learning. They don't have to be there. Marvel's just there because of, I hate to say this, but ego. Like, they they know that everything they're going to reveal, no matter where. They can stand on the street in Burbank right now and reveal something, and it'll get all news. So, like, them going there, it's no sweat off their back because they know it's going to, like, help promote their movies. The other studios, it's more of a risk.
0: Panel, I'm not surprised they didn't have. I am surprised they didn't have an activation, though. I think an activation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would have actually, at Comic-Con, would have been the right way to go with this, but there we go. Uh, okay, let's talk about Rutger Hauer's passing. passing. Um, came suddenly this week. Um, yeah, obviously, people odd. don't plan their deaths. Uh, 75, um, so not, not old, but not too young. Yeah. But his resume of work, I think, is often overlooked. Um, I mean, I remember I, when I I've said this on the show before, when I saw Blade Runner, he was a standout moment for me. Uh, I wasn't a massive fan of the movie, but he always stuck with me. I was a massive fan of his action stuff in the, in the 80s. So movies like Blind Fury. Uh, oh, God, Wanted Dead or Alive. I loved him in The Hitcher. His movies were a real... I used a lot of his movies to get into... Sort of interesting genre movies. Lady hmm. Hawk was another one where it was kind of. I'd see that and go, okay, I like this kind of thing. I'm going to explore this a bit more. So, I mean, it's. I was very, very sad when I heard that he passed this week. Everybody though seems to have different favorite Rutger Hauer movies and different connections. Alexander, uh, you on this?
2: I mean, w- to go back what you said about his work, his like filmography being underlooked. I think I'm the prime example of that because I really only know him from Blade Runner mm-hmm. and he's great in that role and just before coming here I was like what else has he been in cuz I know I feel like I've seen him oh he was he had a minor role in Batman Begins huh yep. and um I just haven't seen anything else with him in it but um yeah this like 75 you said
0: yeah 75 yeah
2: 75 that is yeah that's that's kind of sudden
0: yeah no it's i mean it was nobody was kind of Um, Expecting it, nobody knew that he was sort of ill or anything. Um, But I mean, like you say, I I think one positive of of things like this when people. Uh, when people die, is the fact that people like yourself, who perhaps don't know the back catalogue of these people, they go, "Oh, I liked him from this. I'm going to explore some of his other movies." Another one, a favourite of mine that he did, because he did a lot of sort of you know, sort of straight straight to, to DVD or straight to video or or low end uh, big screen stuff. Another one of my favourites of his was from '94, "Surviving the Game," which is very much like um, uh, God Hard Target. Um, you know, it, it's that kind of like chasing people and hunting down people. Ridger Howard's resume is really, well, and he did some really great dramatic work as well. Scott, on this. It's
1: pretty amazing, you know, I think this goes to show you the problem in some ways of Hollywood. Yeah. You, you really become known for like one particular role. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just going through how many movies he, I'm just looking as you guys were talking, of how many roles he's been in, you know, but every single headline, that I saw this week, it's like Blade Runner was the only thing he was ever in. I know, um, and I, and it's funny that you know you mentioned really obscure movies. One of the ones that I saw, I think it was at South by Southwest, was a uh, Hobo with a Shotgun.
0: Yeah, great yeah. movie. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, Canadian movie. Yeah,
1: and uh, Bone was, Daddy
0: was another one yeah. that went. I think it was certainly in the UK. I think it was, maybe got theatrical here in in America, but in the UK it went straight to, to to DVD or straight to VHS. That is a great thriller. Yeah. That is a great kind of Seven-esque kind of thing. Bone Daddy, great thriller. Yeah. Loved it. But a lot of people didn't discover his movie. So, but it's just kind of sad that sometimes people like Rutger Hauer, who are great actors and well-loved, have to die for people to really appreciate what they've given us. Uh, you know, there's, an, there's more of an urgency to discover that. And I think that's a real shame. But, I mean, you know, he's, to be honest with you, to, to work so long in the industry... Uh, in Hollywood, and to continue to work into your 70s and to leave such a, 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 a great resume of work is amazing. A lot of people chatting about this. Uh, Zeno Al Gahau was an underappreciated legend, always brought his A game regardless of the material. Uh, uh, Bartholomew saying, very sad. Um uh, Jenna James, I knew him from Batman and true blood mm-hmm. uh yeah the 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 realization that Mr Howard's passing instilled in me is Harrison Ford is around his age. Crazy to imagine these guys are old now it yeah. is they don't seem they they're, they're yeah. old but they don't seem old they seem you know yeah. well, I mean. A- I'm old too Uh, Okasio G saying hey (laughs) Okasio good to see you Uh, saying it again Blind Fury Blind Fury amazing remember seeing that in theatres in the UK Uh, Zeno Hour underrated Rudger Hauer films Blind Fury in Split Second Split Second is another cracker Okay, before we're going to talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in America we're going to take the end of the show to talk about that Uh, you are going to take the lead on this Alexander Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Uh, two big announcements in the last week Ghostbusters last week Uh, that's going to be an amazing maze and Killer Clown Maze uh, at Universal's studios hollywood and orlando you take the lead on this
2: yes so uh ghostbusters uh is coming to universal studios hollywood for the first time as a maze and and it'll be returning to universal studios florida after um ghostbusters spooktacular which i never saw when i was in florida because it was long gone by then but um i'm excited for this because ghostbusters is one of my no one of it is my favorite comedy of all time i absolutely love it um, I just think it's a brilliant movie all around, so I'm very curious what they're gonna do with it as a maze, because we talked about this before the show, mm. uh, it, there's just so much to play with Ghostbusters that it could end up being more weird and bizarre than actually scary, because mm. I, one of my wonders is, am I just gonna laugh throughout this whole maze? Because uh, like, Ghostbusters just makes me laugh, and even the most subtle thing, uh, yeah, I can't help but laugh at it, and then, um... I honestly don't have much else to say about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Have you seen the movie? That's the reason why. Okay, <laughs> dude,
0: you need to see this movie. I, I haven't watched yeah. it. I hadn't watched it from the '80s when I hired it. You know, and I, I watched it, and I knew I loved it, but I hadn't remembered why. And I watched it again recently. It's it's available on Amazon Prime uh, if you want to watch it for for free. Um, seriously, it is. Fucking weird, yeah, but it is really cool. And I know last year they did this. Uh, Michael and the team in Orlando did uh, did this as a as a maze, and it went down really really well. The audience reactions were great, mm. and I'm super psyched. I was hoping it would come to Hollywood this year, and it has done. Uh, there's another maze that's going to be uh, that's going to be announced this year, uh, which is uh, is is coming um, obviously before the event, which uh, kicks off on September the 12th this year. Yeah, super yeah. psyched about this. Are you excited by these mazes? I, I
1: mean, I I really am. I mean. I, I recently spoke to um, Gary Doberman mm-hmm. uh, about how I'm surprised they haven't taken the Conjuring universe yet and putting put it into a maze. Mm. Uh, and I said maybe with Annabelle, well, that'll they, be they, one of them.
0: They did it at the, the Warner Brothers thing last that's year. That's right. That's yeah. what I told that's them. as much as they I know, it. but
1: I, I can see it becoming a thing at Universal Horror Nights yeah. because I just feel like it's so... I don't know. It's just the right place to do it. But I also think what's interesting about Universal Horror Nights is how successful this has become Huge, that yeah. it's like it's actually overshadowed the theme park you know they 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 did the Harry Potter thing and it was such like such a big deal when it opened mm-hmm. and then, like that it fizzled out very quickly and then they're like, but now it's the dark castle and stuff like that uh, and now they're doing Jurassic world of course yeah. which which you've been on have you been on that four times yeah. Is it amazing?
0: It's awesome. <laughs> I actually, I was actually at the opening, the grand opening yeah. of that. I wrote it a couple of weeks ago, and I was at the grand opening this week. So there's a piece, uh, two pieces up on Forbes about that from a technical side of yeah. it, and also from uh, interviews with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. This but week.
1: I'm just saying, like, it's amazing. Like they keep doing all this stuff. Yeah. And all they have to do with Horror Nights is just announce one maze, and everyone's like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm, yeah. I'm in. And like, this has the potential, and I, I know they usually always sell out, and that's also something that I feel like you don't hear that often with theme parks, yeah. is that something sells out.
0: Um, obsessed with horror, are you excited for Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Ghostbusters <laughs> Halloween Horror Night, Simon? Yes, I am. I'm very much looking forward to the opening night on September the 12th. Tickets are available now. Do you have something more to say on this, Alexander? Um, you just sounded like you wanted the, to. The only,
2: I will say one downside to this year. I think it's been confirmed um, that because of the amount of mazes they're going to be having, uh, they're going to skip Terror Tram this year. Which Aww. I'm okay with that. I mean, for me, when they brought Halloween Horror Nights back uh, in, I think it was two thousand six. Good lord, um, <laughs> the 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 notion or the novelty of getting to walk on the world, the world sets or near the Psycho House was what sold me to go to Halloween Horror Nights, and it's what sold me to go every year. Yeah. So the fact that we're not getting this this year, I mean, we get more mazes as a plus, but um, it's. It's a, I'm a little disappointed, I gotta say. Huh?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Terra tram, I think, has been something that some people have really looked forward to, and I know people who have got on the tram and they've gone, "Oh, we're not. It's not like the regular tram. So we have to get off and walk. Fuck that." Yeah. I'm going to stay on the tram and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go back yeah. and do another maze. Yeah. So I do know there are some people who, who, who you know, would not want to do that. Um, and I'll be honest with you, after I've had a couple of beers, I don't really want to walk around. I'm doing a <laughs> lot of walking in Halloween yeah. Horror Nights as it is. But I know, I know a lot of people will be disappointed. But, I mean, I, I think it's, there is so much at Halloween Horror Nights this yeah. year. And, you know, they're really, really pushing the boats out. I'm very lucky to have a very good relationship with the team at Universal. Um, I'm by no means a shill. Um, but they trust me with certain information, I'm very lucky to have you that. You work
1: with Lindsay over there?
0: I work with... Yeah, Lindsay's one Lindsay, of the people. She's Lindsay, fantastic. Took, formerly of yeah. Paramount. Yeah. Lindsay's tremendous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, seriously, I think they Universal are really at the top of their game when it comes to having all rights. And John Murdy, who runs this event and creates this event every year, along with Michael in Orlando. Um, seriously, John is a god, and he spends more than a year on each maze For next year... He's already working on it. We had conversations about mazes that he's looking at two years in advance. He has a long list of classic things that he wants to bring up. John lives, eats, breathes shits Halloween. (laughs) Seriously, this guy is devoted. He doesn't put anything out there that he thinks people won't like. He takes it very seriously. And with Stranger Things leading it, Ghostbusters this year as well, Killer Clowns and, you know, other stuff still to be announced. Seriously, good gig. But talking about tickets... If you happen to be in Los Angeles this weekend, uh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, The movie quiz that's been running in uh, London for 14 years is coming to Los Angeles. We did one in December. Um, It went very well. We had a very good response. We've been delayed in bringing it back. The first one is in Los Angeles this Saturday at 2 o'clock at the Three Clubs on Vine. At uh, the junction, uh, there with uh, just just below Hollywood, just below the ArcLight, just below the ArcLight, mm. just south of the ArcLight, there on Vine. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, a a two hour quiz. It's more like a game show projected onto a screen, very high. You, I mean, Scott, I'm, I, it sounds like I'm selling yeah, this, yeah, yeah. but you, dude, you've done no, this. it's a t- you
1: did it's it a t- it's, it's a ton of fun. Uh, you should definitely check it out. And what I loved about it was you can kind of be a movie lover from like the early days. You can be a current movie lover. There's a lot for everyone there. Yeah. It, it doesn't just have to be like you have to know now or you just have to know the classics. It's a nice mix of everything from like the classics to like stuff now to some of the stuff in the 70s. And it's a lot of weird stuff too. Like like there may be a snippet of a song that was used in yeah. a certain movie. It, it, it's a lot of fun. And I think we, we got really into it la- yeah. last We're year. Yeah, really into it and it was, it was a blast. So you should definitely check it out if you can.
0: Uh, tickets at www.film-quiz.com. It's 2 o'clock tomorrow at the three clubs in Los Angeles. Get your tickets now. Okay, we're going to talk on to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, box office this week. It's going to be number one by the looks of it. It's going to bring in some serious ticket sales. Okay, you guys, I want to take the lead on this one. I'll give my thoughts at the end before we wrap the show. Uh, Alexander, first of all, your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
2: Well, I just saw the movie last night. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, Super fresh. Yes. Uh, um... I have kind of a weird relationship with Quentin Tarantino's last couple movies Um, and Once Upon a Time Time in Hollywood is kind of that same thing where it's like I love parts of the movies and then other parts I'm just kind of like eh and um, there's some parts I just absolutely downright despise I'm I'm Probably going to put myself out there. I'm one of the few people that absolutely hates Django Unchained. I cannot stand that movie for the life of me. Um, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like the first half of it I think is fantastic. It's the Quentin Tarantino that I love from Pulp Fiction. What The Quentin Tarantino that writes this great dialogue, has great performances from Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. The second half of the movie feels more, more self-indulgent and just more kind of like... Lazy, and I mean, I wasn't it wasn't awful, but I just wasn't digging it that much. And then the ending I won't say it ruined the movie for me, but it's it, it's the Tarantino that I absolutely hate, where he just goes balls to the wall like with his violence yeah. or, to the points where it's just like so horrifying. And I don't want to say anything that's like sp- anything spoilerific, yeah. but the stuff that happens happens to people that kind of deserve it but they drag it out for so long and it really bugs me when people are watching this and laughing at it i'm like this is not yeah. really a laughing scenario like i could i can let go um marvin getting shot in the face in pulp fiction but this is just this
0: is almost like saw i got some similar thoughts on that scott
2: <sighs> oh
1: boy I get, to be, I get to be the odd man out this week nice, uh, cool. in the other direction for once mm. um I really enjoyed this movie, guys. I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't and know. And that's fine. No, the weird thing yeah. is, I'm going to be honest about this. I didn't wind up going to see the movie on Monday, which is where pretty much most people went to see this film. And I guess, I, as, as usual, I, I go to Twitter afterwards, always after a screening, because now I'm programmed to do so, to kind of see the reactions and I feel like the reactions were so all over the place. People yeah. like, "This is the best Tarantino movie ever." This is horseshit. What the fuck was I watching? <laughs> like, and, and, and you know, the word "self-indulgent," like you came up with. You know, like you said, there's just so much that I hear about this film. So I went in there, and and my wife Ashley usually comes with me to the screenings. She after she saw all these reactions, she says, "You know what? I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to see this one." She's like, "You mm. go see it if it's good. Maybe I'll go revisit it." I went to the theater, I expected to kind of go out, come out of it and be like, it's fine. But it it won me over. And I don't know, I can't explain why, because I I have problems, like you said, with it. Like, I, 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 I can't stand that there's elements of so much Tarantino that it's almost irritating. Like, yeah. the fact that he has that fetish for bear, for feet, that is just... <laughs> In the movie, like there's so
0: many characters so there's that are one bare- scene where it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you're like, mm. yeah,
1: like it's just everyone's barefoot at one point, and like all the uh, yeah. I mean, that there's elements of that. There, the there's a Al Pacino, the, the great Al Pacinos in in this movie. Uh, I, I feel like I don't know how much I needed that scene and yeah. that character to be there. I didn't feel like it added anything to it. But then the ending for me really worked. And then when you look mm. at the performances. I mean, this is masterclass performances right yeah. now. I mean, DiCaprio with that little girl, that's, there's a scene. Oh, I mean, no, yeah, I
0: mean, no, <laughs> absolutely, I agree. I mean, people are saying, uh, you know, d- d- Margot Robbie, uh, people are saying that Margot Robbie's not in this a lot. No, she's not in this a lot. No. But for me, there were so many people in this where I'm like, why... Why did you even put this character in it? You kind of, you arrive, you do a thing, and then they don't really use you in any way, or you're never mentioned again. Yeah. I just felt, it, when it goes to overindulgence, I just think it was creating a tapestry of Hollywood. Not every piece, every thread in that tapestry was needed. I just think it was a little bit overstuffed. Um, I re- There's a lot about this I really like. It's mid-table Tarantino for me. we was saying it's kind of about five, I think, on my scale. Of, on the Tarantino scale, it's a five. Um, <laughs> but out of the nine movies he's made but I mean I I, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was great I thought Brad Pitt was excellent oh yes Margot Robbie is great she's in it more than I thought she'd be considering people were saying she wasn't in it a lot and especially compared to some other people I agree with you on that violence in the final third and there'll be no spoilers but it's a Tarantino movie it's like Shyamalan you know there's going to be a twist at the end that Final. there were genuinely I saw it on a Sunday night at a public screening at the the Cinerama Dome Um, there was someone in front of me who was cheering and punching the air when there were scenes of violence that genuinely made me feel uncomfortable and I don't mind violence in movies I'm certainly I mean I love a good action movie and I'm not afraid of gore in a movie at all but it just didn't sit well with me as a movie as a whole, I want to see it again because I think there's a lot in there that now having seen the full thing, I'm going to pick up on next time. Cinematography is great. Some really nice editing touches. But that scene you referenced with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and a young girl was a great scene. But like so many great scenes in the movie, they just go on for a bit too long. And I think they could trim half an hour out of that movie and it would improve it by quite some magnitude.
2: Take out the but- driving. I mean, there's so many scenes of driving. Yeah. Like, it becomes a 1969 music video (laughs) at once. It's cute the first two times, but after a while, it's like, okay, we get it. You love this kind of music, you love this era. Move on to the story.
0: Yeah, uh, Kurt Russell, I think, was a real standout. You know, there were so many things in this. I mean, the driving for me, there was a lot of driving that did not need to be in there. But I think the the same message and the sort of the 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 optics could have been delivered in a more effective way. There's a lot in the movie to like. I wasn't a fan of the ending. Ending. <clears throat> I just wasn't, and I, I know a lot of people have led this to be like a Charles Manson movie. I think if you're, it's yeah, not a, totally I, I wouldn't consider this to be a Charles Manson movie. No. no. I really wouldn't consider it to be a Charles Manson movie. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot in there to really enjoy it, so it's a, It's a, it's a, it's a fruitcake with a lot of, cherries and raisins and True. substance to it but it's also a little bit staunchy
1: but you know what the problem is with Tarantino is that uh, for some reason and I don't know if it's just because of the way that he comes off in all these interviews and stuff I feel like people are afraid to talk to him and make him edit his movies you know like like mm. you said it, it's this is a movie where I feel I would would call probably a perfect film if they they actually tightened up a lot of it. Yeah, you know, like I where, agree, yeah. where scenes were just cut down, and that you know, I get you're in L.A. and I get you have to drive everywhere in L.A. But you don't need to spend 45 minutes of the film showing Brad Pitt driving around L.A. And then there's just some weird level like lines of dialogue that you don't need to say. There's a, there's a scene with uh, Margaret uh, Qualley I believe her name is mm. where she' gets in the car with Brad Pitt and they have this weird like awkward like inappropriate conversation where you already get that vibe without them saying anything and then like, laid she, out it's like laid out yeah. it's like come on Tarantino I don't need this I know what I know what 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 she wants to happen
0: yeah come on I mean, Alexander, you you finally on this. It's I mean, it, it's mid table Tarantino for you, or is it higher or lower? It,
2: it's mid. It's mid tier for me. Um, I thought Inglorious Bastards was just okay. Interesting. Uh, and, and Hateful Eight is kind of the same thing, where it's like I love the first half, second half is end. The end is just not terrible, but it's just kind of eh.
0: Uh, so favorite Tarantino movie. We're gonna go down the line. Scott, first of all. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction for me. But also, <laughs> I'm a person who didn't hate Hateful Hate. So Really? Yeah, I didn't hate it. Oh. I thought it was really slow and again could have been trim, but didn't hate it. Uh, but certainly, for, for me, it's definitely Pulp Fiction. It's still Reservoir Dogs number two, or tied with Inglorious Bastards. Guys, thank you so much for doing the show this no week. Problem. Really appreciate it. We're gonna go down the line. Uh Scott, who are you? Where can we find you, please?
1: Scott Menzel. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Other
2: Scott M or over. At we live in entertainment.com.
0: Alexander Robinson, thank you for being on the show. Your first time here, we really appreciate it. Thank Where you. can we find you, please? You can
2: find me on YouTube, The Real Mr. Robinson, Twitter, Real Mr. Underscore Robinson, Instagram, The Real Mr. Robinson, and the Stardust app, Real uh, Mr. Robinson. And
0: if you haven't checked out Alexander's work, please do so. He has a really interesting and unique and very personal voice. It's a voice worth listening to. You are going to do exceptionally well in the future. Thank I you. really respect you as a critic. Thank you so much. And if you're in LA this weekend, you're going to need a bigger boat quiz. It's taking place two o'clock tomorrow in Los Angeles okay you can play the music I'm going to be wrapping up uh, <laughs> feel free it's $10 a person we would love to see you there it's going to be great seriously a lot of people are surprised ah, even I was uh, thank you so much my name is Simon Thompson at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter really appreciate it also don't forget I'm going to be on Collider Mailbag tomorrow morning uh, with John Roja another member of the LAOFCS yes. yeah. thank you so much have a great week everybody we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on next week's show thank you so much have a good week